Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Beaver County Kickoff here on the Beaver County Times Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Noah Hiles, coming to you here in this week nine, final week of the regular season. We've got a lot to cover, and I'm not doing it by myself, as always. I am joined by sports reporter Parthu Pai. I can't believe we're, we're here, man. Final regular season game. Been a long journey, and Parth, you and I weren't alone on it. We're also joined by news and, and sports reporter Josh Carney. And guys, it's it's hoodie season, all right? It sure is. And and you know, guys, <laughs> it's it's been a long journey. The weather has changed. Josh has stopped Parth and I from fighting about 30, 35 times. <laughs> Ooh, I've lost count. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been it's been a fun road, though. A lot of great games, a lot of great stories. And before we look ahead to the playoffs before we recap the entire regular season before we make our week nine picks we have to recap week eight another very eventful week a lot of teams in the beaver valley have already clinched a playoff spot we have 10 teams already with their name in ink in the bracket somewhere in classes one through 5a we have an 11th team guaranteed to get in between freedom and new brighton the winner of that one they're going to the playoffs so we'll have at least 11 teams and we have a 12th team that can get in with a win or some help. And as we start our week eight recap, I think Josh is going to want to talk about them. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, that, that team that's winning in or lost and needs some help is Osh. They have uh, fallen apart here, guys. Um, just a few weeks ago, we were talking, they were the favorites in 1A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were a high-flying passing attack. They were just rolling through teams. They had a big showdown against Rochester at home on a Saturday and they got the doors blown off of them, simply put. Uh, after that, they, they beat uh, Union in overtime, a game that should not have gone to overtime. They lose to Shenango the following week, and then this past week they lost to Northgate. Uh, the, the wheels have completely fallen off the Chargers program at this point, but a win on Friday over Cornell, they are in. If they lose to Cornell in a rivalry matchup, they need Fort Cherry to lose to Burgettstown and Northgate to lose to Rochester, which we think Rochester should handle Northgate. Northgate's only won three times in the last 38 games. Um, no disrespect to that program, but that's that's a rough record to have. Yeah. But uh, Olsh has – they kind of botched this, guys. I mean, that's 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 tough to say about a group of high school kids, but they were sitting yeah, – they, they, they were sitting at 5-0. and oh. They were sitting at 5-0. and oh. They were the favorites, and the wheels have fallen off, and and it's some of the tape that's been uploaded to Max Preps and Huddle has been absolutely ugly at this point. Um, it, it's very concerning, and I don't know what's going on there, but uh, yeah, they they are in some serious trouble right now. And I don't get why. I mean, they have everything so a much good talent. team would need. They have a they have a great quarterback. They have a great running back. They have great pass catchers. They have a great line. They have great coaching. I yeah. mean, their their head coach has won a Whitfield championship. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. And, and you know, going into the year, it was, can Olsh get through their first round struggles since winning that championship in 18? They've, they've been one and done in the playoffs the last couple of years, but it's going to be crazy to think if you could go back a month in time and tell us that there's a chance and not even a little bit of a chance, there's at least a 50, 50 shot yeah. that this Olsh team doesn't even get into the playoffs. That's nuts. And it's the teams that they lost to, you just look at the big seven in general, like Rochester losing to Union, Northgate beating the teams that Northgate's. I mean, everyone in that conference has an impressive win. Even the teams toward the bottom, like Northgate beating Olsh, Burgettstown, who beat West Green, who's yeah. like a conference champion in the Tri-County South. I mean, every one of these teams has an impressive win. It shows the parity in that conference, and that's a problem for Olsh. I mean, 
you know, everyone's going to point at the Rochester loss as the, you know, where things start to go down south. But the loss that's really going to kill them, you, you could say Northgate, obviously, that's on the road. It's it's losing at home. Yeah, you can't you lose, lose a Shenango. home game to Shenango. That yeah. can't happen. And it, no. do, and it does. And so now when they're in this scenario where they're going to be tied with certain teams, they don't have a tiebreaker over Northgate or Shenango. And that is, that's tough, man. So now they really, they either need to upset the second best team in Whitfield Class A in Cornell, who's a rival. They should be jazzed up and ready to play that game. But if not, they got to hope my Blue Devils, they burn the fort down. That's a huge rivalry game. One of the best in Washington County. So anything could happen in that one, but... Man, I, I don't know. It's just it's just crazy it's, to see how things are. It's it's for the stunning. Chargers right it's, now. It's 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 genuinely stunning. And I believe Osh was number one at one point in our yeah. our Whippeal rankings for class for, for more than a week too. I believe. Yeah, I, I think mistaken. it was three or four. Yeah. And and I, I I've never seen anything like this, guys. So this, yeah. All right. So speaking of weird playoff scenarios, Parth, your week eight recap. All right, in class three A, Hopewell's zero and eight. Quaker Valley's two and seven, and Ambridge's two and seven. However, one of these teams is not like the others, and that team is the Ambridge Bridgers. There is more to this team than its two and seven record. You know, I, obviously, I covered them in their uh, second victory last Friday against Quaker Valley, thirty-five to nine. They've got some guys, man. Cedric Seymour being one of those guys who ran for one hundred and thirty-eight yards and two scores. Um, they've got a good coach. You know, and Sherman McBride, first-year head coach. Shout out, Sherm. And I think this thing is heading in the right direction. And if you look at who they played in the non-conference, they were – I mean, out of those three teams, they were the most battle-tested. Is that fair to say? Look at this oh, list. I've got it right here. Yeah. They played – you know, they started their season on the road in West Virginia, Wheeling Central Catholic. Then they went to – then they played North Catholic, Laurel, Aliquippa, and Blackhawk. I'm just going to rattle off some records here. North Catholic is 9-0. Laurel is also 9-0. Quip is 7-1. And Blackhawk, obviously, the kind of wheels fell off there with their season, Cougar season. They're two that's and seven. A four, but, that's a four A program, right? It's a four A program, and you know, a, a team that we thought was formidable, right? Is that yeah. fair to say at the beginning yeah. of the season? So I think they've been through the rigor, you know, in terms of the non conference slate, and these two victories kind of show um, some sort, some sort of tangible progress for that program. Yeah. And I mean, those scores too, where yeah, they got their the their doors blown off against some of those schools but in in past seasons those scores against north catholic are 65 nothing not 45 nothing something like that and while those 20 points it's still a huge loss where ambridge is getting first downs in those games which again sounds like i'm just picking out small details but they're not just a mess of a team anymore and I, I, I think Josh and I noticed this during the camp tour where, where we just saw like the guys they had, the fact that they had a lot of guys on their team. It was like, you know what? They're not, they're not as bad as everyone thinks they're going to be. It's a and competent football team. It's a competent had, football team. They, I think they had probably the most challenging non-conference schedule in the Beaver Valley pound yeah. for pound. I yeah. mean, if you look at the, the, the level of competition that they played for the, the size of team that they are, they couldn't have probably picked anything harder than that because even their their easiest opponent was a 4A school or a team in West Virginia that they had to drive two hours to play. So good on good on McBride for getting this team to the playoffs. Um, yeah, they're not going to win their first round game probably, but 
it's just a valuable experience because there's a lot of freshmen and sophomore on that field on Friday nights for the Bridgers. And they're going to be the team that everyone points to in a couple of years when Ambridge is a five win team, a six win team, when, when they have their first winning season and who knows how long this is the group that turned it around. This is the coaching staff that turned it around and it kind of started this year. And it's, it's cool to see that storyline blossoming yeah. right in front of us. The, the, the only thing that's a mess with that program, and this is very lighthearted tongue in cheek, the uniforms. I knew, last week. I knew that was coming. I mean, that was bad. Come I on. That was like coming. the helmet was clean, but I don't wear those again. Please. Ambridge. Please. I love the bridge theme, man. I love the bridge. theme. Uh, with the jerseys. No. I love the bridge. Theme and with and the, that's the thing. The I, I don't, I don't make fun of uniforms if I know they're old and a school can't afford better ones. No, those, those look to be new. new. Like those someone picked new. those out and Somebody thought those were good. Those <laughs> yeah, they, like those those are not old. Like someone was like, "Oh, this is a nice new look." We're gonna us. bust these like, out late in the season at a home game. Like those look bad. Those oh. look bad. I don't know. <sighs> you know, if, if if McBride picked those out, I might take back everything I said about him. <laughs> they might need to get a new coach. No. <laughs> We love you, Ambridge, but those yeah, those were rough I mean, to look come at. Come on, Ambridge, Woo. we got to do better than that. You, your team is better than its record and those jerseys. That those <laughs> those yikes! All right, and my my uh, week eight takeaway um, is I think I found the next Central Valley big recruit. Uh, you know, throughout the years they've always had guys. They had Foster go to Alabama, obviously Whitehead, um, Miles Walker. Dudley, now it's Fitzsimmons and Landon. The next guy is Javen Thompson. Just looking Look at what at he you, does bro. in the in the secondary, he already has seven interceptions this season. He's six foot three. He's around two hundred pounds, I think. I mean, he's he's already got the size, and he's already a junior. He hasn't had any D one offers yet, but Syracuse has hosted him on a non official visit. Like he's been at games there. He's been to some pit games. I would not be shocked to see after their deep playoff run that they're inevitably going on here in a couple of weeks um, for him to start announcing that some Mac schools are offering him, And I would not shock, be shocked to see this summer, some ACC schools, some maybe some AAC schools. He's their next guy. As far as talent goes, I think that he is everything that you probably would look for in a power five conference defensive back, well, it, depending on what his 40 time is obviously, but size ball skills, the program has obviously they have guys in the NFL that have played his position. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's got it all right now. What's crazy, Noah? We were talking about him as a receiver coming into the year. And like he's, he's a great receiver too. He I is, mean, he, he is. Yeah, but he has taken a step defensively at this point. I mean, I remember we were at camp and he made that great catch down the middle of the field, and we just kind of looked at each other like, "Yeah, they got something there at receiver." But he has been phenomenal defensively, and and, and he, it's it's just incredible to see them continue he, to churn these guys out. He probably would have been known a lot better as a defensive back last year had he didn't have, you know, Stephen Hall playing yeah. in yeah. the <laughs> secondary as well, you know, who's a, a pit, a guy on pit now. So I, I just think that, yeah, this year where he was asked to do a lot more, he was more than ready for it. And I, I mean, next year when they don't have Landon or Fitzsimmons, he's going to be even doing more for that team. And I, I think that a couple camps this summer, he'll have a ton of interest with him because he's got the program. He's got the size. I don't know what his 40 time is. I'm sure he's very strong just looking at his build and he's got the numbers. So I I would expect for him to go to at least an ACC type school. So that'll wrap up our week eight recap. When we come back from this short break, we're going to revisit our first show, our season preview. We made some predictions. 
We're going to revisit those, see how they're doing right now. Check up on a couple players we had our eyes on and uh, maybe add in a couple things that if we could go back and change them, what would we say now when we Bra- return? Brace yourselves, folks. <laughs> when we return. <laughs> Goal, 42. Goal, 42. Now. All right, guys. So I think, well, let me do the math here. We're 11 episodes in, right? So we had, yeah, the season preview plus week zero through nine. So 11 episodes in. A lot has changed. But I take pride in the preseason coverage that we had with the oh, camp yeah. tour, with all the features, with the interviews and everything, the analysis. I feel like we got everybody in Beaver County and the Beaver Valley ready for the football season, ourselves included. Because I was new to this beat for football season. I covered basketball and the spring sports. And I, I'd covered football here in the past. I obviously grew up in this area. But I didn't cover it last year at this time. I was at a different outlet. Josh, as were you. Parth, as were you. So we were all kind of new to the football beat. And we really had to dive in with the numbers, the information, building sources. And we worked really hard at that. And I think we gained a pretty good understanding through all of our hard work. However... We made some predictions, and some of them were good. Some of them, not so good. And we're going to revisit those now. These are from our preseason episode. You can listen to it. If you go on our Spotify page, you scroll all the way down to the bottom. It's the first episode that we did. We did a couple of things. We did uh, we did some superlatives, which we don't really need to get into because it was just like camp awards and stuff. However, we played a game, uh, the three of us. It was called Sleeper, Star, and Storyline. And these were our picks. So for the Sleeper, Josh, you picked Tyler McGowan. McGowan's had a good year. 83 for 130 through the air. That's a 63.8 completion percentage. Seven touchdowns, three picks, 985 yards. That's pretty much the same type of stats that he posted last year. Yeah. Team, obviously, a lot better. So, and I think that that's a good pick on your end where he's not the star of that team. However, he's the quarterback on the best team in Class 5A. The biggest surprise of the season this year in, yeah. in all of the Whippeals. So that's a good pick on you. Parth, your pick was Nehemiah Azim, another quarterback. We all actually went with quarterbacks. So Nehemiah uh, was your pick. He is 106 of 204 passing. He leads the Beaver Valley in passing yards with 1,474, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. 52% of his passes have been completed, which isn't the best. However, I, I would. I don't think they're losing because of him. I don't think Walsh no. is losing. He's turned the ball over three times through the air. So that's a good I pick, just, Parth. Yeah, that's that a good fifty-two percent number kind of stands out as you said. Yeah, you but know, I mean, it's not the greatest right they're, there. They're throwing the ball. I mean, look at his. He's thrown the ball two hundred four times. That's that's a lot. They're for slinging a that class ball. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't fault that. And they've been losing a lot lately. I think he threw the ball over forty times last week or something, he, so, uh, or maybe 30, two weeks 30. ago. It was 30 so, last week. Yeah. So. so when you're losing and you have to throw the ball a lot, those numbers Playing are going to be, yeah. yeah, those, that completion percentage is probably going to go down. So we have that. And then my pick was uh Quentin cheese. Good. All he, right. He, he had a good season so far. He's 62 of one Oh one. That's a 61.3 percentage of completions, 11 touchdowns, only two picks, 1128 yards passing. However, um, the sleeper on that team was the kid standing next to him in the backfield uh, with Hayes. Tyquay Hayes. Tyquay Hayes has just had a miraculous oh. season. Um, just looks to be the next star for Aliquippa. Really excited to see what he can do in the playoffs against yeah. some really good competition here. Because um, we didn't see him in their big game against Central Valley. They haven't really been tested 
incredibly since then. They, you know, they've pretty much ran through the Parkway Conference. Um, but you know, in a couple weeks, they'll be playing some pretty good teams in the quarterfinals, and uh, we'll see how Taekwondo does against them. Yo, but, he's next. You know, you talk about long yeah. line of greats out of a program. I think Taekwondo might be next. Maybe that's premature, but he could that's be. What I see. I mean, he looks to be that with his yeah, with his size, his natural abilities, and. You know, I, I've heard before uh, the season that the the freshman class and the eighth grade class right now at Aliquippa are their next. They compared them to the 2018 team, wow. which was with yeah. Devin Shire, with Eli, with Will Gibson. You know, they had other guys like Zariah Fisher on that team who yep. weren't seniors then, but that was like their last state championship team. Everyone's saying this middle school group right now is that next group for Aliquippa. And Taekwe will be like the elder statesman when those <laughs> kids are sophomores and juniors. He'll be the senior. I think in a couple of years, it doesn't matter if you got Quip in four A, five A, six A. I think there's going to be a problem. <laughs> could could we be? Everyone. Could we be talking about him like we talk about Russell Shell now? Like we could be. I mean, I, just a gut feel. He looks the part. He's got the numbers. Like it just depends. I mean, there's man. a lot of variables that go into it. It's like health. You yeah, know, for sure, like, for sure. Maybe he goes to a different school. I mean, I, I don't see a lot of kids on that team choosing to play for another coach over Mike Warfield. I, I mean, they really love that guy. So I right. don't think Taekwai is going anywhere. Um, but you never know. Or there's always a thing like Aliquippa, no one's starting position is ever safe. I don't right. care how good you are, because there's a kid that could be better than you in the grade below. And, and something might click, you know. And, yeah. and you're you're you never know what that team. Man. There's always no one's positions ever safe there. So we it could be, you know. Then I don't want to compare anyone to Shell because no, no, he's no. the greatest to ever do it. And I'm not saying on, he's the next Russell Shell. I'm football saying football like he just uh, that folklore in a sense. Like. Yeah, no, it, it very well could be. He could yeah. be a guy that in a couple of years is the, you know, going for some huge records here dude they, so, they talk about him like mike and those guys talk about him like that kind of folklore yeah, I mean, he type guy like he but, is next you know you know i'm just always hesitant you don't want to put that pressure for on sure a, on a for sure and i'm not trying to do that kid, but at the same yeah. time when you when you Especially. wear that red and black jersey that pressure just kind of comes with it anyway <laughs> so yep. is yep. what it is so those were our sleepers our stars to keep an eye on we can go through these guys real quick because we've talked about them all year sean fitzsimmons Jeez, oh man, 75 tackles, 27 tackles for loss, eight sacks. This is my favorite stat for him. 47 hurries. Wow. 47 hurries. And this is a guy whose team has already played Ambridge and Quaker Valley and a couple of other schools that they've blown out of the water. And, you know, he wasn't playing in the fourth quarter. That that essentially means every possession that he's on the field, he's getting a hurry ascent. That's, that's in nine games, correct? Yeah, eight games. Oh, yeah, oh, nine games. Excuse so me. He's, They're nine he's and averaging a little over five a game. That's oh, absurd. Good. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty crazy for wow. what he's doing. Um Landon was another pick. He is uh 122 rushes, 1281 yards. That's t- ten and a half yards a carry for 19 touchdowns. My pick was Lorenzo Jenkins. His numbers are a little down just because. You know, Carson Davidson's struggled with injuries all year, so he's been playing with Pritchard, who's a good backup, but still someone who's kind of learning. Um, he has 30 catches this season for 285 yards and four touchdowns, but he's also played some great defense this yeah. year, and he's been a very good player. Um, Wait, Noah, who picked two between Sean Fitzsimmons? I picked uh, and... Lorenzo Jenkins, Park, okay. you picked Fitzsimmons, and Josh picked Landon. Um, and our storylines, real quick, to keep an eye on. I had Sonny Anderson, which... 
was an obvious story and how Aliquippa would recover without him. And, you know, other guys like Sire Clark, uh, Thornton, other receivers have really stepped up, but more than anything, you know, they found a way to get the job done on the ground. Um, Parth storyline was Rochester's passing attack. Well, that didn't come to fruition <laughs> because Parker got Parker lines man. in week one, but I, I'm not, I'm not willing to bury that one yet. Because yeah, I would not be shocked to see Parker come back in the playoffs and they start slinging the ball around and everyone is just, what do we do now? I do so, I do wonder if he gets a hat Friday night and they get him into some action. I mean... It could be. I could see it. That'd be yeah. fun to see, man. Yeah. And uh, Josh, your storyline was Ambridge, which we already talked about. So you were, you were on the right side of history there. So those were our storylines. And then we had bold predictions... My bold prediction, not great. I had New Brighton reaching the uh, WPIAL semifinals. I I said that 2A was going to be a weak conference this year. Um, well, there are five teams undefeated in 2A going into the final week of the regular season. I would not classify that as weak. Uh, <laughs> and New Brighton's not one of them. Obviously, losing Gabe Haddix doesn't help. They do have an impressive win over Western Beaver to start the season, and they do have a chance to get in as a playoff team. But... They didn't have the year that I thought they'd have. They probably would have had a couple more wins had they had Haddocks, but they they weren't a Final Four team even with him. So I was wrong there. Parth, your bold prediction was Aliquippa to the state finals. Obviously, the, the we most non-hot take that, ever. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> right? It, no, but it is. It is because Aliquippa is still in 4A, and they're a 1A school playing in 4A. And if you looked at the teams in 4A this year on paper – Thomas Jefferson was supposed to be really good. They, they've had a pretty down year to their standards. They're at number five in our poll right now. McKeesport, you didn't know what you're going to get with them, but you assumed they'd be good. And Bell Vernon is as good as advertised. They beat right. just about anyone they've won. They have beat everyone that they've lined up against. So, you know, they're, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think that it is possible, but it that's not saying it's not an impressive feat if they get there. Right. Because it still is a small Aliquippa school and considering what they've had to go with, with their best player getting shot with Nico Eberhard missing the first four games of the year because of a knee surgery with Isaiah Gilbert missing the entire year. They've had to rely on a freshman to start at running back. Their starting quarterback this summer moved to Georgia. So now they're starting a five foot seven sophomore right. at quarterback. I mean, they've had everything and more to deal with. And we've seen other teams in Beaver County deal with that type of adversity and they weren't able to overcome it, despite having a lot of talent. It's so easy to forget the hurdles that Warfield's group has jumped yeah, over because they've and done that, it flawlessly, right? Like, <laughs> and that's Aliquippa to a T, where yeah. other programs have talent and they get hit by these obstacles they and it and they and they fall apart. And you can't blame them because it's like that's what happens in football. Like some teams that have are good don't have good years simply because stuff Bad happens. Luck. Yeah, but like. Aliquippa does not make those excuses. It does not matter. There's always something that goes on there, with, with whether it being an injury or whatever, and or having to play teams way, way, way above their class, and they still figure it out. And that's Mike Warfield. Credit to him and his staff. Credit to the kids who strap it up and, and make it happen on Friday nights. Just a very, a very impressive feat that they've gone through, and I would not be surprised to see them go there, but it is still a bold prediction that you did there, Park, considering the road it, that if they do go to the state finals, the road that they went through where they were hanging on against Beaver Falls in week zero to where yeah. they're at now, that team has improved immensely. 
my or uh, so Josh's bold prediction was Landon breaking um, the Central Valley program rushing record, which was held by Whitehead. He needed 1,762 yards this year to do it. He is 481 yards away entering week nine. So he's not going to get it in the regular season. However, he's going to get it before the state playoffs, I would assume. I, I think he probably gets it before his team goes to Heinz Field. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's had an incredible year. He's kind of cooled down from that stretch where he was rushing for like 200 every week. Now he's only going for like 150, which is still <laughs> really impressive. But uh, he's 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 had an impressive year, especially with, you know, losing their starting quarterback early in the year. That What he did against Aliquippa, gaining all but 20 of his offensive yard, offenses yards that game against the Quips, it was one of the most impressive performances you'll see in the Whitfield this season. So I think he's made our top performances list every single every week. single I, week, I, pretty much. I put that together often, and then yeah. I think yeah, I don't all think he's but one week. One. I think he's made it. Um, right. So just an impressive year from him. Probably safe to say that he or his teammate Fitzsimmons are our player of the year, and that's no disrespect to all the other candidates who have had great years. But I mean, Bladel has had an amazing year at Moon. Sleeve has had an amazing year at Moon. Other guys, I mean, Wyatt Ringer's had an amazing year for Beaver, but you just look at those two guys and the numbers they put up. They're just out of this world. So those are that was our revisiting of the first week. If we could go through real quick, um, who's a sleeper that stood out to each of you guys? Oh, man. It's a tough one, man. I think Taikway is probably the sleeper that is the correct one. The star we had correct. And what is the biggest storyline so far this year? Moon, right? Isn't that yeah? Isn't when we all agree the Moon Tigers? I would, I would, I would put right next to Moon. Moon's one A, one B is Cornell. Yeah, yeah. Because Cornell I, won one game last year, and yeah. they are. I'd probably they might be at Heinz Field. They're on that revenge tour, as you said, Noah. Mm-hmm, that right? story. They, they like being <laughs> the bad guy. Say goodnight to the bad guy. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably add Ben Bladel to that sleeper because it's not a guy that we were yeah. really talking about coming mm-hmm. into the year, and he's Who? just been a was on the sidelines last Saturday at Heinz Field. Ooh, Interesting. <laughs> so, Interesting. Getting put some... That, put that in a little back. Here, All right. right. I All like right. It. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we got our final picks for the regular season week nine when we get back. All right. Final week. It's been... The standings have been crazy here. Where early on it was it was the Noah Hiles show. I was doing a victory lap every single week, rubbing in everyone's faces. Every time I seem to do that in life in general, it could be in sports, it could be in video games with my friends, it could be playing Monopoly. Anytime I kind of talk early on, you know, reality comes and God likes to remind me who I am, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, I've fallen in the standing sense. But Josh is now firmly in first place. I I I. I don't think he can finish worse than first. Just looking at the board here, I think he's solidified himself as the champion for the regular season. So I don't know what we're going to do, um, but Josh has is, is all but won the top That's first right. place thing. We'll do a bracket thing that maybe can be double or nothing. Who knows? Uh, we'll figure it out <laughs> this week. But right now, if we look at the pick standings, Josh is in first place. He's 104 and 20. Our, our two stringers, our veterans here, Bill and Joe, are 102 and 22. Um, I am in fourth place at 101 and 23. Parth is in fifth place at 124 in the house. God bless him. 
97 and 27. He's in the basement once again. (laughs) The foundation stays where he belongs. The basement, the storm (laughs) shelter, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the doomsday (laughs) shelter. He's just all the way down there by himself. I mean, he's been down the basement so long. They got Wi-Fi. They put a bathroom down there. (laughs) You know, it's like that kid who's like 30. And he has <laughs> six figures in his savings because he's just never moved out. And he's just made his parents' basement his own apartment. So shout out to the house for, for you know, continuing to try. So real quick, we have our smallest slate since the start, since week zero. Well, we only have 12 games, I think, this uh, week. So we'll run through these real quick. First game is an interesting matchup. It's Moon at West Allegheny. Um, we all have Moon 6-0. But before the show started, Parth was asking, you know, I... I does West Day have any chance? Because you you got to think. Here. Yeah, and I mentioned if, if Dylan Sleva doesn't play. Yeah. You know, if they rest him another game, is there and, a chance the Indians, you know, catch one, get one? And here, you got to think about all the variables here. Because what does Moon have to accomplish? Well, or what does Moon have to play for? Well, they, they've never had a perfect season. Never. In, in the regular season. And that's about it. Because they're guaranteed to be the one seed. No other team in 5A has one loss. They're all two lost teams so mm-hmm. moon's gonna be the one seed even if they do lose to west allegheny they've See, already no, won i the think conference. that means something to them though i think it does, I, talking to ryan, that does perfect but season. If, if, if you're looking if you're ryan and you're thinking you know what do i gain from playing Ty, you know mcgowan or bladel or these guys where is right. it worth risking injury long term i get that an undefeated season means something good you know what would probably mean more to moon oh, than an undefeated title. regular season <laughs> with the title which they have done before. They haven't gone perfect. But, and I know these kids want to go perfect, yep. but you've got to, if you're a coach, that's your job is to make those decisions. I don't know who he will rest, if he will rest anyone. But on the flip side, West Allegheny has a ton to play for here. If they win, they're in. There's one playoff spot left in Class 5A. One. And it's going to either them or Peters Township or South Fayette. I think those are still, all three of those teams are battling for that final spot. And, and that West team has wins. talent too. Jay Sean Spencer and Noden Tracy. Yeah, we've gone and, through I mean, that they're list. Beat up, you know? But the thing about week nine in the Whippeal is this it's rivalry week. Like you see in college football in late November, the week after Thanksgiving, when it's Ohio State, Michigan, all those programs that have, you know, have these, these historic rivalries, you know, Auburn, Alabama. And sometimes in those rivalries, one team is significantly better than the other. But like in college football, that does not necessarily matter. A couple years ago, there was a team in Aliquippa that was beating the brakes off of any, everyone. And there was a team in Central Valley that needed to win to get into the playoffs. They were four and five. And no one, no one expected that team to even come close. But Central Valley beat Aliquippa. And that was the birth of a new dynasty for the Warriors. That was when Dudley was a sophomore. That was would have been Sean Fitzsimmons' freshman year. And that that kind of sparked them, moving them forward. That was probably one of the biggest wins in their program history. And that could happen anywhere. Where West Day's playing these freshmen now, they could go on to do great things in a couple years. And moon this moon game could serve as a turning point for their program to get back to what they were. So that's why I'm not counting out West Day. We all picked Moon 6-0 here, but I think this is going to be a very, very tough game for Moon just because West Day's home. They're desperate. They have so much more to play for. And yeah, the hungry dog always runs faster. So 
just keep an eye out on Moon or on West Allegheny. I could be wrong. Moon could blow him out. Saliva could come back and run for 250 yards, and we'd all look dumb. But nonetheless, we all got the Tigers. Moving forward, Newcastle at Aliquippa. We all like the Quips, 6-0 in that one. Avonworth at Quaker Valley. We all like the Lopes. Avonworth, 6-0 in that one. Riverside at Beaver Falls. We all like the Tigers, 6-0 in that one. We move on now to Olsh Cornell, where... We already talked about the playoff scenarios for Olsh, where there's a good chance they might not be in the playoffs this year. They need to get the upset over Cornell. There is some bad blood between these two teams simply because, you know, Olsh started a football team about a decade ago and went and just took some of the best players on Cornell's team. And uh, it, it kind of led to pro, uh, Cornell's program not existing anymore. And then it got revitalized under Dawson. And you look at what he's been able to accomplish now, winning the conference title having a chance to solidify a perfect conference record against their rival. Olsh has struggled on its home field, and that's why I think we're all taking Cornell here. Oh, no, the house actually took Olsh. So there's there's the one upset. The house takes Olsh there. Um, guys, anyone else? I, I mean, we all have Cornell. What does Olsh need to do here? Man, they got to protect Nehemiah Azim a lot better. Um, you know, in the last couple games I've seen, I know against Rochester, they really struggled to protect him. He didn't have any time to throw and, and get the football to some of those playmakers on the outside. They they just have to – I don't know. It feels like all they do is deep shots at this point. Mm-hmm. They're searching for that home run on every single play. Um, and, and they've got to protect Nehemiah a lot better. And they got to scheme up ways to just get the ball to their playmakers quicker and let them yeah. win in space rather than hoping that they connect – on two or three home runs and, and, you know, take the top off. That's not going to work against Cornell. No, no. So I think they have to just change what they're doing offensively. I mean, they they can run the ball with Steven Greer. He's, he's probably the biggest back in, in the Whipple. He's even bigger than Dylan Sleva, but um, (laughs) man, I I don't know. I I just, like I said, in the first segment, I'm dumbfounded by what has happened to Olsh at this point. Um, but just get the ball to your playmakers and let them win in space at this point. All right. Hopewell at Central Valley. I think we all know who we're picking there. Uh, the Warriors 6-0 across the board. Big game here. Probably the most interesting matchup of the week is uh, Freedom at New Brighton. We will be there covering that. And uh, it's it's split here. We have three for New Brighton. We have three for Freedom. I have Freedom. Josh has Freedom. Bill has Freedom. Parth, Joe, and the house have New Brighton part. Why do you go with the Lions? Yeah, I think they're starting to figure it out after losing their starting quarterback, Gabe Haddix. Noah, you had a great story on him uh, on timesonline.com that ran this morning. Um, Gary Pugh Jr. Gary Pugh Jr. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Yeah. You know, people butcher mine all the time, so people I don't want to get his Petey. wrong. His nickname Petey. is Petey. Petey. Can, I, can I call him Petey? I'll call him Petey. Yeah, yeah. we'll call him Petey. Petey is finding his footing. Petey is finding his footing. I don't know if y'all saw me, but I was frantically trying to open tabs to get the numbers in front of me. Couldn't do it in time here, but these last two games, the numbers don't lie. And he's, he's finding his groove and he's, uh, you know, he's filling that, that hole well for uh, four touchdowns through the air last week, four touchdowns through the air last week, one touchdown on the ground. He is finding his footing. Um, He's looking really good. Josh, why, why is it the Bulldogs? Uh, I just, I, I like that program a lot. Um, You know, Carter Slowinski has really settled in at quarterback He's obviously a, a passing threat through the air with Josh Yeck. Uh, Josh Pale out of the backfield, kind of like a, a very light version of Christian McCaffrey at this point for the Bulldogs. But, 
man, it, that offense is loaded. They're playing well. A lot on the line this week. I couldn't go against the Bulldogs. I just have a good feeling about them at this point. Okay. Uh, we move forward now. Yeah, again, that was 3-3, Freedom and uh, New Brighton. Ambridge at Keystone Oaks, another game. Split right down the middle, 3-3. I have Keystone Oaks, as does Josh and Joe. Parth, Bill, in the house. All have Ambridge. Parth, you're rolling with the Bridgers, huh? I'm rolling with the Bridgers. I'm, I've got my, uh, what is it, maroon and maroon and gray pom-poms yeah. on it. Are those the team colors officially? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Sherman McBride squad uh, looks good. I and mean, we talked plenty about him on this podcast and, and in past episodes. Uh, I think this is a winnable game. And to me, they showed me enough last game against obviously a, a much less formidable opponent in Quaker Valley um, to have confidence going into this one in the Bridgers. And here's where I disagree with you. Cause I, okay. I do think that they have talent. Um, but I just think Keystone Oaks is still a team that just understands how to win more. So Ambridge has won two games, and they've won games against teams that they are far more talented than. I think they are pretty evenly matched against Keystone Oaks, and they just haven't played a team that they're evenly matched yet. They've either played teams that are much better programs than them or are in just a far worse spot than them. And this is a team that they're in the middle with. I think this is a close game. But I'll, in that matchup, I always go with the team who's more familiar with playing in close games, and that's why I went with Keystone Oaks. Josh, I you're think we'll learn a head. lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm with you, Noah, and yeah. you know, Kevin Drew, their senior running back, Keystone Oaks, has rushed for over 600 yards in the last three games. They're, they're rolling on the ground. Uh, I think that's just going to be a tough challenge for Ambridge's front seven at this point. Speaking of running, we move forward now to Beaver versus Blackhawk. We all like the Bobcats, a 6-0 in that one. Uh, Elwood City Mohawk is the next game on the schedule. We're all going with Mohawk over the Wolverines there. Northgate at Rochester, we're all going with the Rams. They will continue to roll into the postseason with a win over the Flames. And last but not least, our final game of the regular season, the day the brackets come out, Western Beaver against Southside. This is for second place in the Three Rivers Conference. This is essentially for a home playoff game. It, that That's what this is for. And um, it's, it's do you want to have to be on the road every single week or do you want a chance to have one or maybe even two playoff games in your home stadium as you you know work your way toward Heinz Field? And this is between Western Beaver and Southside. And we are split right down the middle once again. Three of us go with Western Beaver, myself, Josh, and Joe Parth. Bill and the house all going with Southside. So that's that's the picks. Uh, guys, I'll let you break it down here uh, as we round up the show. Why you went with who you went with. We'll start with Josh. Uh, I went with Western Beaver simply because of the athletes that they have uh, offensively. I know that that uh, Southside is a, a very fun story this year. They, they still run the traditional wing tee. Uh, but, man, Western Beaver, I think, just has – far too many athletes uh, for Southside to kind of deal with. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to the Rams, but man, Western Beaver has guys like Tyson Florence and, and Dorian McGee and Lonnie Kraft, Aaron Smith. Like th- those guys are legitimate athletes. Um, and, and Dorian McGee, I think could, could have a, a great day through the air uh, against Southside and Western Beaver could score quickly Southside. Not so much. Uh, that's why I'm leaning Western Beaver. And that's kind of why I am too, Josh, or it's just like, you know, Western Beavers loss against Stowe Rocks look bad, but in reality, that's one of the tightest contests that they've played all year. 
especially in conference. No one even was able to hang around with them for four quarters. So that's that's something worth noting, where even if it was 41 nothing, Western Beaver is more similar to Stowe Rocks, I think, and that matchup was just a huge problem for Southside. Southside doesn't have the athletes to cover guys like who you just mentioned, just the pass catchers that they have, even the guys out of the backfield, where Southside's better against teams that are physical, that like to run the ball up the gut. I just think this is a better matchup for Western Beaver. Parth, why are we wrong? Yeah, Noah, you said that Western Beaver matches up with a team like Stowe Rocks, who's 9-0 better. Well, they got clapped, too. No, you I know. It was 41-zip. Southside didn't even finish that game. They, right. had to ga- that, they had to end the game early, where at least Western Beaver was able to finish a football game. Western not, Beaver. One of the only teams to one of the what, only teams. Yeah, they were like the only team in the conference yes. to do that. They actually, and, and that's not like a great thing to brag about, but <laughs> it matters. I just think that that shows where the divide is between these two programs. Western Beaver has the athletes to match up with Stowe Rocks. Southside, again, no disrespect, they don't. Yeah. And I think... And the depth. No, very true. All fair points. And I think Luke Travel Peace at Southside, just what he does with what he has, right? That's something that Josh alluded to in this episode and in previous episodes, running the wing tee, not doing anything fancy, um, knowing his team's capabilities and knowing their limitations. Uh, I covered that team in week four. I think it was week four uh, in a 12 to seven loss, you know, at Avonworth, who is now what, seven and two. They went toe to toe with that team. I know there's been what, several weeks since that point. Um, I just think Southside gets this done. It would be a big win for them. It would be a big win. So that'll wrap it up. Uh, Stay tuned. We just because the regular season is ending does not mean the podcast is ending. We will have our whole playoff preview for you next week where we'll give you our, our picks in each of the brackets. We'll make some more predictions. We'll look at the uh, round one matchups. It'll be a lot of fun. Buckle up. It's week nine. It's then it's the playoffs. This is where the real fun starts. It's going to be a blast. I'm super excited for it. You guys should be, too. Josh and Parth, that's who I'm talking to, and the listeners. You all should be excited as well. And I look forward to talking about it as we have all year here on Beaver County Kickoff. We'll see you all next week.